It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're getting closer to closer to Christmas. And today, it looks like the vice president uh, and the president-elect uh, we'll be getting a shot as we get closer and closer to vaccinating all of America and maybe the world. Israel got one on Friday, Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, they have now millions of uh, doses, and we have a second one, so that's great news. I'll talk about that with Carly Shimkus at the bottom of the hour. And Dan Hoffman, of, uh, he's got a specialty in Moscow, Iraq, Pakistan, and Iran, as well as South Asia. We got to talk about the hack that uh, the mother of all hacks that we'll be discussing. He's going to bring us inside. Was Russia actually behind it? Uh, I'll give you the short course. He says yes. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I've been covering cyber attacks on the U.S. government for more than 20 years, and I've never seen anything quite like this. We're talking not just one agency, but departments across the entire federal government. And they've been there for a while. The mother of all hacks with scope we can't seem to put into perspective. How could we have been left so vulnerable? And who is really responsible? Number two. This is going to be very close because the Democrats have got momentum. They've got to get out the vote machine with Stacey Abrams. And they got uh, they, they have won the, the presidential race for the first time since 1992. And that's given them a burst of energy. No doubt about it. Call roll of all eyes on Georgia as over a million have voted and millions pour in. I'll tell you the state of the January 5th race, the president's last uh, uh, the president's last push at the 2020 race, because he tries to see if he can finally get someone to pay attention to his fraud claims, as well as his 2024 plans. Number one. From where I stand, from where Senate Republicans stand. There's no reason why this urgent package could not have been signed into law multiple months ago. Republican relentlessness against state aid is just befuddling. Uh, It shouldn't really. Uh, We want states to be able to pay for themselves. Instead, they lock them down and want a handout. Help is here in two ways. With an aid package, and another vaccine rolls out. Unfortunately, what's not over is the insane lockdowns we're expected to accept, while yet another government official stiff arms the restrictions they demand. So it's pretty cool. $900 billion is uh, all but signed. They're finishing doing the final language. Should be actually done. A lot of good stuff are in it, and I think that's important. $900 billion in total. It probably ends up being uh, a little bit more. But when you look at what else, the more extension of the PPP program is certainly a part of it. They're going to have rental insurance, a way to give renters who are suffering uh, a little bit of help. So that will certainly help. They have $1.8 million. Um, uh, for uh, help with the states and vaccine help. There's um, $82 billion for college and schools, $13 billion for nutrition assistance, $7 billion for broadband access, $25 billion to rental assistance, broadband obviously because so much virtual schooling, $284 million for business and to revive the PPP program. It was explained to me, and it's hard to keep up with all of this, but as uh, Congressman Walsh told me today, they already had about $250 billion waiting to be spent for the PPP program, but for some reason, the Speaker had control of it. So they're releasing money that's already been allocated for us. But it amazes me, too, 
that they wouldn't use that one moment to say, hey, we came together on a program. It's been tough, a tough grind, but maybe we could work together for other things. Immediately, they start taking sides after they agree on a deal. Cut to. Even though the Republicans were relentless against it, we found other ways to aid the states. So the states will get at least some of the aid they need. The localities and the tribes will get some of the aid they need. But the Republican relentlessness against state aid is just befuddling. Why is it any different when a someone who works for the local government loses his or her job and can't feed their kids or someone from a small business loses it? Then Mitch McConnell answered, also playing politics, cut one. From where I stand, from where Senate Republicans stand, there's no reason why this urgent package could not have been signed into law multiple months ago. There's no doubt this new agreement contains input from our Democratic colleagues. It is, of course, bipartisan, but those matters could have been settled a long time ago as well. So why did it take all this time? We know why. We've heard Democrats say openly they were not willing to deal all summer and fall, but are willing now, willing now, because they have a president-elect of their own political party. I can't actually give Mitch McConnell any credit because this was really instituted and perpetuated by the middle. Murkowski and Collins, Republicans have their problems with them. Uh, Manchin and Warner uh, coming together, I guess Durbin to a degree, they worked this out. They forced this out. Through Thanksgiving, they were doing the Zoom calls for each other, trying to find out how to get a deal, and they forced leadership to act. And I'm fine with these guys not taking a vow, vow, but Schumer and McConnell should not be taking a vow. They did nothing. In fact, they were just going to stare each other down. Politico says that they both did a deal because of Georgia. I'm pretty sure that's a leap too far for me. Next, the vaccine. Can we acknowledge that this is unbelievable? And to not to give President Trump credit is like not giving a coach credit for winning the Super Bowl. They carry the coach off on their shoulders, yet he does not make a tackle. He does not catch or complete a pass. The same thing with the president. These idiots who are just blindly anti-Trump say, well, the president is not a scientist. The president didn't come up with this. A president put together a plan that pushed forward for to get a result, that provided the investment necessary for the experimentation to happen, for the labs to get the billions of dollars, to get the backing, knowing if this failed, they wouldn't fail as a company, as an international organization, I think is just huge. Chris Christie said we're missing an opportunity missing an opportunity to talk about how something worked. And I think America needs to hear that. And I think the president should go out and take a bow. Cut 10. I think what we need to deal with is the, are the issues and facts on the ground that people really care about. And I will tell you what I heard most people in, in my neighborhood talking about um, this week is the vaccinations beginning. Now, that's an extraordinary accomplishment, first and foremost, by our scientific community to have done what they did. And it's an extraordinary accomplishment for the president and his administration. We should be talking about Republican competence, Republican ability to get things done um, when dealing with COVID going forward. It's totally true. 
And the president fixated on what he thinks was a robbery of the 2020 election. There was irregularities, but he's been unable to prove it so far. But along the way, things are happening, going his direction. Number one, he's showing everything he said about China, lying, leading up to it. The CDC not having the right test, but the president not pointing fingers, just trying to deal with the situation. Saying, open up your, the schools, open up the businesses. That is the right move. The ones that shut down got slammed. The one that opened up got slammed. It doesn't matter. Now there's a new strain in England. That matters. I don't want fights coming over here from England. Europe shut them down right away. We should do the same thing. But there is one country with two vaccines. It's the United States of America. At the end of January, there'll be another country with three vaccines. It'll be the United States of America. That, to me, is astounding. And that should be noted. And people should understand that we're doing it the right way. First responders, seniors, and if it's uh, communities of color that's getting hit the inordinate way, go do it. Whatever is happening, there's something else going on. I know 316,000 Americans are dead, they say, to the coronavirus. Then we know about the number of cases. But did you know, you would never know, that the cases are actually going down in the Midwest. Listen to Admiral Brett Giroir, cut three. If you look at the Midwest right now in the Northern Plains, they have reversed their very significant outbreak despite the Thanksgiving holidays. Their cases are down, their hospitalizations are down, their deaths are down. Uh, that is being counterbalanced now by uh, extreme cases in California, uh, some on the Gulf Coast, including, mis- uh, including Tennessee in the Deep South and on the East Coast. So here's what we got. We got 1.8 million doses administered worldwide, at least 556,208 doses administered in the U.S. That's according to Bloomberg. Six million Moderna uh, will go out this week. We got to get them into the arms. Two million Pfizer this week. For Moderna, it's 18 and up. For Pfizer, it's 16 and up. So many people ask me about uh, what the science is behind this vaccine, being that they're not shooting dead virus into you like they do with polio, mumps, measles, the flu. And here's how it was explained to me, and I'll just, I'll just read you what they, what they wrote. The Pfizer vaccine is the first vaccine using RNA technology ever approved for human use by the FDA. It is different from more traditional vaccines, which often use weakened or dead versions of the virus, as I told you. It uses a, this uses a synthesized scrap of genetic information that's wrapped in a protective layer of fat to keep it from disintegrating. When it goes into cells in the muscle of the upper arm, it contains molecular instructions that tell your cells to create a protein that triggers an immune response to the spike protein on the surface of the coronavirus. This means your immune system will prepare itself to eliminate the pathogen as it tries to invade. I mean, that is so genius. I don't know where to start. It's, it's enabling your body to fight off the virus yourself. And the effectiveness is 95%. Sadly, 42% of Republicans say they will not take it. Will not take it. If that's the case, we might as well not even do it. Because you need 70% of the country for this to be effective. But once I take it, I want to take that mask off. one 408 7669 I want to get to the bottom of that hack. Dan Hoffman's going to be with us. Uh, he knows all this stuff inside and out and knows who's responsible. He'll share that with you. And then call his Shimkus. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks. It's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, 
let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think we're just getting our arms around uh, the scope of this this uh, cyber uh, compromise. There has been a lot of conversation about one company, SolarWinds, but I think it's probably more broad than that. I think this, this again, this Russian intelligence service, the SVR, they're really the best of the best out there. That's Chris Krebs, kind of a sanguine about being in charge of cybersecurity as former director of cybersecurity and infrastructure uh, agency who got fired because he came out and said there was no problem with this election. president got rid of him. Then he, he slicked his hair back and did a bunch of interviews. And now, even though he's in charge of this, it looks like this hack has been ongoing. It's a grave risk. It was undetected for nine months. These are some of the things that they say are facts, but I only believe it if Daniel Hoffman confirms it. He's the former CIA station chief, uh, served in Moscow, Iraq, Pakistan, among other places. Uh, Daniel, welcome back. Thanks. Always a pleasure to uh, to join you on the program. Well, uh Daniel, I hear so many crazy things. I watched everything I could. I read everything I could on this, and I still don't know what the Russians had, but I don't know how that got into uh, 
how they got into this space and stayed there for nine months undetected. How do they do that? Yeah, so we're in, you know, incident response phase. And, and anybody who's done cybersecurity knows that incident response should take minutes, not months. The Russian uh, hacking tools, uh, the malware, it's still there. We haven't ejected them yet. They've got persistent access. Uh, what they did was uh, they uh, exploited one of our vulnerabilities, a supply chain, a company called SolarWinds, uh, which is a U.S. company, develops software for businesses to help them manage their networks, their systems, information technology infrastructure. And that was the back door uh, that Russian intelligence, the SVR, used uh, to target potentially 20,000 users of this software, uh, including Departments of Treasury and Commerce and the Nuclear Security Administration of the United States. So make no mistake, this is a massive compromise, and it's it's an intelligence failure. Intelligence is about detecting threats way out left of boom and, and preempting them before they're visited on our shores. This one landed right square in the middle of our cyber infrastructure. What makes you think it's the Russians? Well, the Department of Homeland Security uh, has come out and said uh, that uh, it was, you know, highly suspected Russian hack, SVR, Advanced Persistent Threat 29. That's also known as Cozy Bear. I think they've been able to do some of the forensics. And, of course, we've seen some of this Advanced Persistent Threat in other places. And so they're marrying up what they're seeing in this latest hack with what they've seen in other places. Our intelligence community, for sure, is uh, sharing all these details with our closest Five Eyes, liaison partners, NATO partners, and others uh, as well. Um, I would highlight, too, this is about espionage. It's about stealing our secrets. Uh, it's not necessarily about weaponizing it yet. That's what the Russian military intelligence, the GRU, does uh, in comparison. What, what, do they, what do they have? What do you think they have already? What do they take from us that is extreme value? Well, they're into our networks, and so they've got anything they want to vacuum up from state, local, and territorial governments, from the federal government. Uh, they've got information on key personnel, on our procedures, uh, on whatever information is, is knocking around in, in uh, our email traffic, um, details about our infrastructure, the potential to shut down our electrical grid or to interfere with our nuclear capability. Those are all things that are potentially out there. Uh, and, and again, you asked a great question because the forensics are ongoing. We're still trying to determine how deep this is. What is the damage assessment? I think that's going to take months, if not longer, for us to complete. The president essentially tweeted out, why not China? Why is it always Russia? Yeah, that was after his own Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, who formerly served as director of CIA, uh, said that it was the Russians. Um, you know, I think, uh, frankly, you know, far be it from me to criticize uh, the president of the United States of America. Had I been advising him, I would have said, sir, um, look, attribution is really important. Your people are saying it was Russia. Let's not let the Russians off the hook on this one. If you want to caveat your statement and say that all indications are that it was Russia, but forensics are ongoing, I might have advised that. Uh, but there's no indication this was China. This was a Russian attack. And I know the president is sensitive, but let's draw a distinction between Russia's nefarious espionage uh, and all of the, um, uh, the things that the president doesn't like about the investigation into his campaign and some of the partisan attacks on him personally. Now, those are two separate things. 
And again, uh, Russia interfered in our election 2016, uh, and they mount, you know, information operations worldwide, especially in this country, and they're espionage. They're not the best of the best. I don't agree with Chris Krebs on that. I'd like to think we are. Um, the Mossad is pretty good. But, but the Russians consider us their main enemy, and this is what Vladimir Putin does. You know, he, his formative experience was in the KGB. He's a spy. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Chris Krebs, Cut 25. So the way I look at it is, yeah, it happened on my watch at CISA, and we missed it. A bunch of other folks missed it. But there is work that we have to do now going forward uh, to, to make sure, A, we get past this, that we get the Russians out of the, the networks, but B, right. that it never happens again. What would get their attention now? Um, I think, so first of all, Chris is right. He missed it, but we all missed it. The intelligence community missed it. So the, you know, my old age, the CIA, NSA, others um, didn't collect the, the intelligence, strategic intelligence, that this was being planned in the Kremlin. That's why you want that spy, the cardinal in the Kremlin, to tell you these things. Um, and and we, we just failed utterly um, to do that. Now, again, I draw a distinction between what is now an internationally recognized norm of conducting espionage on one another. That, that just happens. Yeah, I'll have to so hold it there. Dan, I'll have to, weaponizing it. Yeah, I'll have to hold it there. We're up against a hard break. Daniel Hoffman, thanks so much. We'll unwind this and have you back. Have a great holiday. So Brian Kilmeade Show. Coley Shimkus next. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Trump was impeached, but it didn't stick. Parasite won the Oscars best pick. Meghan and Harry moved to L.A. Mr. Peanut was not okay. J-Lo showed off her Super Bowl range. Tom Hanks got sick, then everything changed. Sourdough bread got us Instagram likes. Quarantine beers made our friends say yikes. Animal Crossing was a blockbuster game. Elon Musk had a baby. Wait, what was his name? Aunt Becky made a guilty plea. I still don't understand Quibi. Twitter finally checked some facts. Zuckerberg remains an ass. Tubin had a Zoom erection. I will not kidnap One Direction. TikTok dances were enormous, not to mention murder hornets, a TP shortage left us all feeling cursed because 2020 has been the absolute worst. That is uh, James Corden, well-written, a review of the year that we hope wasn't. It did get off to a good start. Carl Shimkus is with us right here. Uh, she's the same Carl Shimkus from, um, from radio and TV. You're the yes. same one, right, Carl? Uh, unless I have a body double. I am, in fact, that Carly Shimkus. So if you watched our uh, our best of, end of the year best of show, did you watch it? The Fox and uh, The montage one? one? Yeah. About, the... Yeah, about 10 minutes. You yes. realize our year got off to a great oh. start. The economy was roaring. Brian, it was such an unbelievable look back at the year. You're, Super you Bowl. So, 
I know. It started off so fun. It started off like every year. You know, you look forward to those year-end packages because there is a lot that you forget throughout yeah. the year. And you go, oh, my gosh, I couldn't. That happened this year. I, that ha- felt like it was five years ago. But this one, when you introduced it, you did it so well because you said, sorry. Sorry we're about to play this because it's a look back at 2020. It started off so well, so fun. And then, of course, uh, we get into the pandemic and the riots and all that happened uh, that defines 2020. But then it does end on a bit of an uplifting note with the coronavirus vaccine. Two. Yes, At two. least two. And that would be more good. To come. Uh, there is somewhat of an uplifting note. We have an ongoing election controversy. We knew that. The president of the United States not happy. Most people who support the president aren't happy. Uh, and you see what's happening with January 5th. So this is January 5th runoff is... That means the election that never stopped. I know. It's in, so in true. Georgia. And after um, the election results came in and um, Joe Biden was declared the president-elect, Republicans looked at the Senate and said, OK, at least we have the Senate until they didn't, until it became a question mark. And that those two races in Georgia are just as important as the presidential election. I mean, hands down. Think about the blank check that Joe Biden's going to get if he has the House the presidency oh. and the Senate. It would, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an ugly scene. Yeah. I know some people would look forward to that day, like Bernie Sanders and Michael Moore, but I don't like their vision of America. I never did. I'm all for compromise, but I'm not for compromising what America is. First off, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. Every year, uh, every year, uh, the staff here, and I think we have about twenty twenty seven people now, including the interns. Uh, 27 people come together and they get me what I need most. And it's blocking the view of Carly to me, seen on Fox Nation. I'm looking literally at your face between a cup of noodles yep. and layered fruit bars. Five hour what energy. I thought this was product placement, but it's just stuff that to survive, for you to survive on throughout sh- the year. Uh, Carly, we should have sold these sponsorships. But this is how many years in a row now have you gotten me survival? It's been a lot. Once we found something that worked, we're sticking with it. Right. Because literally, I will, in August, I'll still be going to this. Because when you stay late, like you stay late all the time. I know. I know. You need something to keep you going. So, could I have one of those cup of noodles? Because it is my favorite. Oh, he didn't say yes automatically. I'd rather not not give it away. Right? I mean, this, I mean, I know it's the season, but I'd rather get you something else. Wow, I mean, Brian. I'd rather not give away. Okay, like diamonds or no? I was, okay, we're, no, we're... I was just I was thinking wine. I like wine. Yeah, yeah. No, As a matter of fact, that's what I heard. I will take wine over cup right. noodles. Thank okay. you so much. Uh, but it's more than cup of noodles. You got the five hour energy. You have fig newtons, yeah, which yeah. is good. But I think it's time. So you eat? I'm sorry. So you you eat like a, a college student still to this day? No, I eat well, but a lot of times I need things to bridge. <laughs> Right? You got a bridge. No, I hear you. Totally. All right. So the way, Allison, you hand us some stuff. This is just some of the the major stories that happened this year. Yeah, just some of them. I mean, feel free to ad-lib any others that you think of. Yeah. But also, just to go back, Carly, basically the good rule of thumb for Brian is if you can add water to it, it's an excellent gift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's how I start my day. I start my day with, I I have a, a powdered meal replacement. Right. And I do it like four in the morning. Uh-huh. I go to our uh, our purified water, our yeah. water filtration. We sell them here locally in WABC. Uh, we sell them a water filtration. You got to get it. It's so it's so good. And I'm able to uh, pure water, and then I I watch it come to life. So anything dehydrated is up yes. your alley. I love that. Right. Okay. MREs are a step up for me if I was ever to join the military. 
All right. So let's find out if we, if you if you remember what happened this year. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. We don't remember this as well as the Australians, but there were huge fires in Australia. Do you remember that? The whole country was burning down for a while. That was the major story. Yes. And they also saw it as people are saying this is climate change. Other people like in Canada say, I don't think so. We just take care of our forests better. So there, there was the beginning of a debate. I know. And I, this is one where I actually can't believe that this was uh, this year because to me, in my mind, this was last year. But the obviously the sad element of this loss of life, loss of business, loss of animals uh, in the billions. Billions of animals died in these fires. 47 million acres burned. Next, the story, the only royal story that That I was actually interested in. Brian, I can't. I am a big lover of the royal family. I love the tradition. I love the respectability, the history. So I was shocked to learn that Meghan Markle and Prince Harry wanted to leave. And the way they did it, unbelievable. They basically surprised the queen by releasing the statement on Instagram saying that they want to give up only the bad parts, the royal duties. They wanted to keep their titles. They wanted to keep their the castles. They wanted to keep all the good stuff. And then the queen steps in and says, okay, no, if you're either in or you're out. They chose to be out. So they had to give up the uh, his and her royal highness uh and now they're in california doing just fine but i remember thinking that when this story broke in january i remember thinking that this was going to be the biggest story of the year i cannot believe i thought that but i said um well the biggest thing of the year already happened <laughs> no boy was i wrong and by the way they have a podcast you said well they just signed with spotify both yeah. of them or they yeah. separately? She, he's got to no, talk together. to. I think that it, they're going to maybe produce the podcast. Is that right? I don't know. I can't imagine that they would. I think it's like a bigger them... deal. I'll find the specifics. Okay. But, yeah. but, I mean, but I... here, here's the thing. Way too much pressure on a relationship. So he goes, hey, if you want to see Meghan Markle, who they met on a blind date. Weren't they set up? They was were it, set up. An yes. arranged situation. Yeah. It was like you met her in a bar. Yeah, it turns out I'm a prince. So Oh, that he, would be so romantic. Mm, yeah, let's see. <laughs> so they meet. I had no idea it was going badly, but can you imagine just going, listen, I'm leaving, and he leaves too. Yeah. Do you realize the pressure on that relationship now? I know. As he gets used to civilian, rich, but a civilian life? Because he has no job. She is a mildly successful actress. Was she famous? I mean, I guess if you watch Suits, I've never seen it before, but the uh, part of their you know, their falling in love story that I always thought to be quite fake was when she said that she didn't knew, know who he was when they first met. She didn't. She said that she Please. didn't know that he was a prince. Are you kidding me? Are Are you born on this planet? Of course you. She's a smart girl. She went to a great college. So I, I don't know. I, I see a little bit of possible phoniness there, but at the same time, a lot of pressure put on that couple. So I could see where they would also want to get rid of, get away from it too. The next big story, which is still a huge story, mm. is Kobe Bryant. His uh, helicopter crashes. He and his daughter die well as everybody in there. They're still trying to piece the whole thing together. Bottom line is, shouldn't have flown on that day. Guy got disoriented. They hit the side of a mountain. That's crazy because he's one of these people that just seems so alive. Like he was just there, bigger than life personality. Uh, Yeah, so true. I mean, I think that this one hit uh, non-sports fans and sports fans alike. Because of how invincible and larger than life and alive he was as a person um, and the fact that he was with his beautiful daughter and seven other people makes this even uh, a worse tragedy. And you're right. The cause of the crash, I don't think is is fully known because there was no black box in the helicopter. So it's just, you know, at this point, 
um, speculation. But after his death, we learned at how involved he was with his daughter's lives and sports. And I know that that WNBA home for going you. to UConn. Yeah. Do you want to go to UConn? Yeah. So God bless that family. I know they've uh, they're still going through it. His his stuff's going on with his his wife and some you know family drama surrounding. Yeah. Did you see what's happening? His wife now says his wife's mother yeah. is suing the estate because Kobe told her. I'll always take care of you, and there's not enough money for her now. Yeah, I don't fully understand it. I just feel like when tragedy strikes in any sort of family, there's going to be these awful you know, ramifications of it, and they're still going through it, clearly. All right, uh, so the other big, the, another big story, I don't know, I'm not going to do the Oscar thing. Harvey Weinstein goes to jail, just despicable, everyone loses. But the Black Lives Matter protested after George Floyd's death. I mean, that's still resonating now. Then the Ahmed Arbery and Breonna Taylor... They become a huge deal, and Jacob Blake gets shot. And remember the remember the NBA players walked off the court, yeah. And the baseball players, I think the Mets walked out and then left. I guess because right. they think of law enforcement reform is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But Black Lives Matter has been a huge disappointment. I think when they see what the organization's about, as a, the movement as different from the organization, they got a ton of money. Yeah, and a lot of these branches are saying, "Where's the money?" You know, it's so true, and um, nobody is facing that more so now than Joe Biden, who's getting pressured to meet with Black Lives Matter org- organizers. Why won't he though? Well, I I don't know. I I think he you may. Think he just do I it. think he may. I, I think he may agree with you and say that there is a bit of a difference between – I mean, he's met with civil rights leaders already, and that may be you know, his pace of, of going about it. But I think he, he may actually understand um, – I could be wrong – possibly the difference between the organizers and the uh, – you know, the the folks who follow the movement. And um, there were so many tangents. You know, this started off with George Floyd, a total tragedy. And then you get into it. It spiraled into this whole cancel culture thing with everything, you know, Paw Patrol and cops and, you know, these brands that we've known forever changing their labels and uh, the Washington Redskins changing their name, now the Cleveland Indians. So, I mean, so much happened because of this event. Right. Uh, and then when you think how they just wreck cities yeah, and how those cities still haven't re- covered like Minneapolis, like Seattle, like Portland, like New York, still see graffiti everywhere. And then a lot of these business owners goes, I'm just not going back there. The other big story, which got swamped, Regis Feldman passing away. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, did you watch him? Oh, when- I, lo- I loved Re- Regis Philbin. He's such a talented man. But you remember watching him growing up? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, not only Regis Philbin, but um, Alex Trebek. Recently, that yeah. happened more recently. So there have been um, so many. De- Maya, uh, Naya Rivera, remember? She drowned um, her little boy, and she jumped in a lake. She was in uh, Glee. She was in Glee, and yeah. she was in what a lake in California, and she was oh swimming gosh, with her was, little boy. It was so and, um, sad. Oh, it was horrible. Um, yeah, and it was a total accident. Uh, they uh, they believe they still that she say just it's a total got, accident. Yeah, you yeah. know, one hundred percent. Because apparently the um, wind started to take the boat. And if you know anything about swimming, with the, the, once the wind takes the boat, if it's not anchored, you cannot catch up to it. So and she's trying to push her so little kid along. The last along. thing she did is she saved her son's life, and she gave up hers. How? Uh, apparently, he was wearing a life vest. She wasn't. But I think there was a pretty strong current in the that body of water, even though it was a man-made lake, which I thought I didn't – anyway. But, um, yeah, and I think she just used all of her strength to get her son back on the boat and then just went under herself. 
Wow. Yeah. That's no. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I did not know how Chadwick that turned Boseman out. Chadwick Boseman, too. Yeah. God yeah. bless him. These people, these. I mean, there's been so many changes that have taken place this year, but yeah, Regis Philbin also. Yeah, do we, so you have the Regis when I was on Regis? We do. So we're going to get to hear young Brian. All right, the so, heavy here, on so you ready to hear this? Oh, I so can't. So I get, I get pulled out of the audience when I was a sophomore or junior, sophomore or junior in college. Um, listen to this. Have you taken a moment to look back, and are you proud of what you accomplished and the journey you, you, you walked? I was very proud of the way it wound up. I wanted to go national. I wanted right. it to be a success, and, and that's what I was able to accomplish. Yeah, I, uh, I think it all worked out fine. Brian, I was 28 years in, uh, in Hollywood in Los Angeles, and then 28 more here in, in New York. The times that I suffered the defeats was out there in, in L.A., and when I finally got to be on a, on a station on this side of the country where I could be live and effective at 9 o'clock in the morning. That's when it all right. came together. That was not that. Uh, that was a different soundbite. That was an interview when he was doing his book tour. I have a different one at some point, but I'll show you. But I thought he was great. I thought that he, uh, at the end, didn't want to quit. Wait, I, so what did you, just uh, paint the picture, what, what did you ask him? You know Paul Mitchell? Uh, no, I don't. Paul Mitchell has these products, hair care products. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah so uh-huh. he, they said, we need somebody with good hair uh, to come and do it. So I wanted, I, they said, hey, would you come out and do it? So did you try yeah, a hair and, product? Yeah, so, uh, well, here's the I end of it. Let's listen. I love to hear this. And if I was, uh, Ryan, I think I'd like to maybe get a little stronger, bolder look, and I would grow a beard about 10 days. It's impossible right now. 10, 10, yeah. Why is that, Ryan? Um, the facial growth is behind what we like it to be right now. The <laughs> <laughs> facial growth is behind? Yeah, what, where what we like it mean? to be. As far as the shaving goes, I think we have two or three years until we have the beard. Yeah. Brian, you're just a guest here, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, bad with the New York years. accent, right? Oh, so when did you? When did that accent go away? I'm from New Jersey, so oh, I. Oh man, I took so many courses, and uh, in fact, we got to take a break. Oh my god, goodness, uh, look at the uh, time. But I took so many courses in Manhattan that, like, I would get 175 dollars and sign up for another six weeks. I love took forever. That. I love that. Back with more with Carly in just a second. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Tiger King became our latest obsession, still waiting on Carol Baskin's confession. Normal people on Hulu set our hearts beating. The undoing finale had everyone tweeting. The Queen's Gambit paid off in spades. The Crown's Diana laced up her blades. Schitt's Creek was last year's big Emmy winner. Somehow Sarah Palin was on The Masked Singer. They delayed James Bond, No Time to Die. It should be in theatres by 2025. Hamilton made his streaming debut, and so did my wife in Borat 2. With so many streamers, you just can't go wrong. You can start by watching your boy in the prom. That's pretty amazing. James wow. Corden is the best. He is very talented. Right. But he's not ad-libbing that, right? He's reading no. that, isn't he? Yeah. But um, Tiger King, did you see it? No. You didn't watch Tiger King? No. I'm not. Yeah, I started I, watching some of it. It's, it's kind of like. Well, well, you know what? It Well, for I thought it was a little bit longer than it should be. Excuse me. The cup of noodles is in my back. I, I can't look at it through the cup of noodles. <laughs> <laughs> the cup of noodles is blocking him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I know what you mean. It's. um. 
it's definitely an interesting sort of show, but I just had no idea that that kind of stuff was going on in America where there's this whole, you know, people could own tigers and sell them and all this this stuff. So it was definitely an eye-opening situation. And now apparently he's trying to get Trump to pardon him. So who knows? Maybe that would be a... I don't think Trump should waste a pardon <laughs> on him. Do you? No, I agree. But I agree wholeheartedly. I, I don't think not. it's going to happen. I think it's a long shot. Carly, we only have a minute left. Give me a prediction for 2021. 2021, well, uh, uh, my my prediction would be that we, thank God, the coronavirus vaccine will work, mm-hmm. uh, the economy will stabilize, mm-hmm. and God willing, uh, we can put all of this behind us. We're seeing that starting right now, so hopefully that'll come to fruition. Do you think one day we'd be able to go to a restaurant after 10 o'clock? Yeah, right. Do because think- 10 o'clock, <laughs> apparently the virus really ah, ramps ah. up. <laughs> That's what I would love to do. So contagious. Right. I mean, can you imagine being able to travel without wondering if uh, you're going to be allowed to go back? Yeah. You know what? I did do the outdoor eating thing uh, this this weekend in the you snow. Did I did. Yeah. It went about as well as you would think. <laughs> I was freezing <laughs> and I wanted to leave. But right. I did it. You got to support local guys. Did you have anybody else around you? <laughs> yeah. I was with my husband and he was very quiet. I was like, what's wrong? He didn't say anything until we got up. He's like... I was really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Coley Shimkus. Brian Kilmichio. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here coming to you from around, uh, from New York City, around the country, around the world, seen on Fox Nation. The Brian Kilmeade Show, moving ahead closer and closer to Christmas. Uh, We're going to talk to Michael Goodwin shortly, and then we're going to talk to Mark Thiessen at the bottom of the hour. And we have a lot to discuss today. The vice, former vice president, who's president-elect Joe Biden, uh, will be getting the shot. He'll get inoculated today. We know in Georgia things are picking up because we know Ivanka Trump will be there. So will uh, vice president-elect Kamala Harris. It means so much to the future of the country. I am not kidding. You cannot overstate it. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I've been covering cyber attacks on the U.S. government for more than 20 years, and I've never seen anything quite like this. We're talking not just one agency, but departments across the entire federal government. Uh, That is Pierre Thomas of ABC. The mother of all hacks and scope we cannot seem to put in perspective. How we could have been left so vulnerable, and who is responsible? We'll discuss it. Number two. This is going to be very close because the Democrats have got momentum. They've got to get out the vote machine with Stacey Abrams. And they got uh, they, they have won the, the presidential race for the first time since 1992. And that's given them a burst of energy. Carl Rove's got his hands full. All eyes on Georgia. Over a million have voted and millions will pour in to early vote. I'll tell you the state of the January 5th race, the president's last shot at a 20 a reversing his 2020 fortunes and new news on his 2024 plans number one from where i stand from where senate republicans stand there's no reason why this urgent package could not have been signed into law multiple months ago republican relentlessness against state aid is just befuddling 
And that is uh, the always inspiring Senator Schumer and Mitch McConnell. Help is here in two ways, with an aid package, $900 billion, and another vaccine rollout. And I'm not kidding, Moderna. Unfortunately, what's not over is the insane lockouts and lockdowns we're expecting to accept, while yet another government official stiff arms the restrictions they demand. Let's bring in Michael Goodwin, who took the New York Times to task over the weekend because of the mistakes they made, and they just got caught again. But, Michael, i got to bring you to what's happening in the city that you're in. And that is insane lockdowns. You can't eat indoors. I actually went to a wedding in Manhattan and had to go back to Long Island to go out to dinner. They couldn't even have a reception. And even though all these restaurants are open, they could have spread it out and pulled it off like they do in Florida and Texas and elsewhere. I mean, why is he getting a pass on this? Good morning, Brian. Well, he's not getting a pass from all of us, that's for sure. Uh, And you're right that the it's... It's almost impossible to explain the the kind of arbitrariness that dictates a lot of these rules. Uh, I mean, Saturday Night Live has an audience that they get around the rules on by paying them. So they're, they're part of the crew, in effect. That's how they beat the rules of no audiences. I mean, this is insane. Is everybody in Saturday Night Live getting sick? If not, then maybe these shutdowns aren't necessary. Uh, restaurants were not the cause of the spread. We knew that. Shut them down anyway. Schools were not the cause of the spread. We knew that. Shut them down anyway. So it, all of this is, is almost kind of theater, where we're, we're acting as though we're doing everything we can, and we're going to do everything we can, even things that don't make sense. And that would be fine if there were no consequences. But it's destroying livelihoods. It's creating depression and all kinds of personal problems for people. I got a letter from a guy over the weekend, which I put in my column. He's been a restaurant worker, and he hasn't worked since March. Now, what is he to do? How is he to to support his family? What kind of dreams in his life have been killed off? Not by, not by the virus, but by the reaction to the virus. And, that, and so we have compounded this tragedy by making another man-made tragedy. No question. That, I think, is, is the reality of what's going on with these extreme shutdowns. And that's why I'm so glad these states aren't getting bailouts. They have to earn their way out of this. Let their people earn their way out of this. They're gonna, not going to get a lockdown and say, i got federal government money. You can stay locked down. I'm doing it for your own safety. When the same numbers are in Florida or in New York, uh, the same numbers that are in the Midwest, the numbers are actually going down. California has an extreme lockdown. They haven't affected anything. Go get the ship around there. And my goodness, uh, Eli Lilly came up with their version of Regeneron that if you take it, there's a 70% chance of avoiding hospitalization. They ship it around the country, and doctors aren't using it. Now they're urging patients to ask doctors to use it. What's going on with this? We, we, thought we, we thought doctors would tell us what to do. I think science, uh, in this case medical science, has become incredibly politicized. And you, you've now got sort of doctors in, in blue states uh, acting one way and in, acting another way in red states, just as the governors are. And, you know, Brian, none, none of this needs, needs to have happened. This was an anti-Trump uh, movement led by Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, others. That, China. Yeah, that's right. As soon as they got an opportunity to put daylight between them and the president, they did it. In the beginning, 
everybody was working together for about, you know, two weeks. But then very quickly, it all came to, you know, red and blue again. And that, I think, is, is a tragedy for our country as well, because not everything is a political problem. This was not a political problem until the governors decided to make it one, uh, because they saw no – they had to defeat Donald Trump. And how are you going to give him credit for the vaccine? How are you going to work with him on distribution? How are you going to uh, – you know, defeat him if you're saying nice things about him. Well, you can't. You must say bad things about him. You can't give him credit. I mean, what he did with the vaccine, I don't know of any other politician on the scene today who would have done it. He pushed and he pushed and he pushed. Oh, what about the science? If you just let the scientists go. I mean, it's why there's editors in newsrooms. It's why there are uh, executives in television. You need somebody to take command, somebody to take responsibility. Not every minute of every day, but at the crucial moments. And that's what Donald Trump did on the vaccine. He absolutely did. They said, what do you need to be able to do this? Well, I'm going to need some money. I'm going to need to know that if I make these files and I do this and the the studies don't work out, I'm not going to destroy my company. He goes, no problem. I'll pre-buy it. I will pre-buy it. I will bet on you. They get the fundamentals of the science down. The scientists give them the okay, and they go ahead. And he says, I'm optimistic. And they say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And what about the hypocrites? Dr. Deborah Burks, who quickly turned on the president then disappeared from the stage on the Clorox uh, controversy. She turns out on Thanksgiving after telling us to stay at home with just our immediate family. She goes to Delaware to her vacation property on Fenwick Island. She was accompanied by three generations of her family from two households, including her husband, her daughter, her son-in-law, two young grandchildren. She insisted the purpose of the 50-hour visit, that's two and a half days, was to deal with the winterization of the property before a potential sale, something she says she previously hadn't had time to do because of her busy schedule. I am not buying it. Oh, she has the busy schedule? Excuse me. No, you're right. I mean, that's what that's what has happened now. When when government gets too heavy-handed, people always start looking for a way out. And even people who have the heavy hands, they go back to their lives and they say, "Well, this." I remember Gretchen, Whit- Gretchen Whitmer, the governor oh. of Michigan. Her husband, Nightmare. you know, I want to get my boat out. Nobody else could get their boats out. The governor of uh, uh, Illinois, uh, his. Uh, Pritzker, his family traveled. So all of these things, you know, Gavin Newsom with his dinner. I mean, all of these things happen because they because the rules don't make sense. They don't allow for individual decision. They don't give people yeah. responsibility. People are infantilized and must follow the rules. And so you see these crazy people screaming at other people for not wearing masks. I mean, it, it, it's a kind of martial mentality about these things. And when the, when the people themselves who institute these rules are caught breaking them, mm-hmm. they do such a disservice to just good, old-fashioned, common sense. So you know people that work at Waffle House or work at diners, they get they turn over tables quick. They make 3 or $4 per, t- uh, per table, and they do it. A lot of times their second and third job. Hey, you know, I'm going to run to the Waffle House. We're going to have a quick breakfast. You're not getting rich. You're showing you want to work. And they shut all these down. Walter uh, Emmer is the CEO of Waffle House. He was on over the weekend. Listen to what he said, how crazy this whole thing is. Cut 16. We are disproportionately hurting American people who are wanting to work 
for no data and no science that ties back to, uh, to that being a dangerous place. And if you look at even the infection rate of our population, the tens of thousands of people that we hire, the population that works for Waffle House has an infection rate that's far below the national wow. average. And so you'd say if they're working in an inherently riskier place, why wouldn't the infection rate be higher? And it's not. So you send them home where 70% of their infections come from gatherings at home rather than gatherings in a public place where they have rules and guidelines that give you the, at least the hope of some scrutiny and some regulation. Instead, you send them home, all bets are off. Yeah, and look, Brian, I mean, I think he makes a very good point about the science. There's no, no data that shows eating in a restaurant is going to get you sick. It's just none. I mean, in New York State alone, it was they were able to trace back infections. 1.4% came from restaurants, 1.4%, and yet they're shut down. Now, that makes absolutely no sense. So this follow the science, follow the science, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything when a governor dictates. And I think that's the problem. Look, um, this is, this is un-American in so many ways. And now that it continues to go on for, for nine months now, and, and people without incomes, oh, the government, the government will give you a check. That's not what people want. Most decent people want to work. They enjoy work. Work is important. It's important for your, for your uh, social well-being, but also your mental health, to do something right. valuable, to do something meaningful, to earn your own bread. That still matters to people, but the government, for some reason, has disassociated itself from that American component in people's hearts. It, it is weird to see. Yeah, I, I just cannot... Uh, this, I want the president to come out and talk about the, both vaccines. I want him to do that. I want him to understand, let people know that he was the coach on that team that won a Super Bowl. And it's just like when people say, I don't want to give Trump the credit, he didn't do anything. Well, how many tackles do coaches make? How many patches do the, the, how many uh, catches do general managers make? Uh, how many drops do they have? Uh, this is all about teamwork and supervising the experts and getting the most out of them. So I was really discouraged to hear the new Surgeon General, this uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy. He's had the job already. He's talking about if we get these vaccines, life won't be normal until really the summer. Are you kidding me? Even Anthony Fauci says two months. How could you well, get away with that? What's he trying to do, extend this? No, he's trying to stay on message with Joe Biden, which is shut down, shut down, shut down. I mean, that's the Democratic message. I mean, it, it, it is imbued politically now in the left, Brian, that if you are for, for opening things up, you must be a Trump supporter. And we know what that means. So if you're for shutdowns, if you're for shutdowns until nobody ever gets sick of anything, then you're, you're a loyal Biden person. That's how this has been divided. I mean, that sounds exaggerated, but the reality is that these two strains have been competing all along. I mean, President Trump, way back in the summer, was talking about opening up, opening up. Yes, sometimes he was too optimistic. But what would you rather have, a president who's too optimistic or too dour? I mean, it, to me, America runs on optimism. You cannot have this fear, this, this loathing, this shutdown mentality. This cannot govern America. It will kill America. No question. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. 
My pleasure, Brian. Michael Goodwin, Fox News contributor, and his uh, column is in the New York Post, and you go at mgoodwin underscore nypost. When we come back, your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. We talk about the hack. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Elmer's friend has a question about Santa Claus. Will Santa still be able to visit me in coronavirus season? What if he can't go to anyone's house or near his reindeer? Well, I have to say I took care of that for you because I was worried that you'd all be upset. So what I did a little while ago, I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I measured his level of immunity, and he is good to go. He can come down the chimney. He can leave the presence. He can leave, and you have nothing to worry about. Santa Claus is good to go. So Anthony Fauci was doing what, with the Muppets? Well, that was Elmo, but yeah, he... um... He was on CNN and answering questions, and a bunch of kids, and that's just one of the kids, were very afraid that Santa might have COVID to bring presents. If you're a parent, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I I will parent shame here. If that's what your kid is thinking about Santa, you're doing a bad job. Yeah, or you leave the news up too much, or they're just hearing too much. Or you should reassure your child that Santa's not going right. to bring you, you COVID. Don't, you shouldn't have Anthony Fauci on CNN to reassure your child, is what you're saying. Exactly. The parents just probably thrilled that their kid's on CNN. Right. Does anyone want to talk to their kid directly, ever, about anything? No. Um, I just a quick, just a quick thing. One of the most underplayed stories that came out, we played it a couple of times here, is when Secretary of Health and Human Services, Azar, came out and said, yeah, the problem with the hospitalization is we have the, uh, the Eli Lilly Regeneron ready to go. We got zillions of vials, but a lot of doctors aren't using it, so make sure you ask for it. What? We have to go ask the doctor to ask the doctor? So... I thought it was very interesting. David Ricks, the CEO of Eli Lilly, is just as frustrated that no one's using his stuff that was financed by Operation Warp Speed. Cut seven. Across the country, we've shipped and distributed broadly the monoclonal antibody from Lilly. And then in our clinical studies, it reduces the risk of hospitalization by about 70%. So it's very important that those eligible talk to their doctor about getting this therapy. What we have seen, though, is differences in how different states and different hospital systems have chosen to act. Some really good cases where it's quite easy uh, when your doctor recommends this to get the infusion. It's an infusion. Uh, it takes about two hours. Um, and we've seen cases where there's been little or no action. Um, so it's important uh, people know to ask their doctor uh, if they're a candidate for this therapy. Is that unbelievable? It is, is that incredible? That is sad. You, you'd rather put me in the hospital than give me this stuff? At least say you can't find it and, you know, do what you, everybody does, blame Trump. But he has it on your doorstep. Find it. They can track it. This General Pernis says we can track everything. We can say where every vial is, where every case is, we get it. When it's not being used, when it goes bad, that's why they got to really monitor it. Think about that. 
No one's using it. Almost f- only 5% is being used, and yet it keeps you out of the hospital. I'd be curious to hear from doctors as to why you'd need to ask for it. Like, what's their rationale? Uh, you know, I asked Dr. Siegel. I don't know if he could figure out why he wouldn't, because he would. He knows everything. He keeps up with all that stuff. Uh, we should have him back. But again, Dr. Burks, you can go to Delaware. We can. Anthony Fauci makes up stuff per interview. And then we have this great warp speed therapeutic no one's hit paying attention to. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Even though the Republicans were relentless against it, we found other ways to aid the states. So the states will get at least some of the aid they need. The localities and the tribes will get some of the aid they need. But the Republican relentlessness against state aid is just befuddling. Why is it any different when a someone who works for the local government loses his or her job and can't feed their kids or someone from a small business loses it? Uh, that is Senator Schumer and Senator McConnell. Instead of using that moment to say we came together and here's our package, they ripped each other and talked about how the other was really to blame for the delay. Mark Thiessen, former chief uh, presidential speechwriter for Bush uh, and Fox News contributor, as well as Washington Post columnist now, a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Mark, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. Hey, Merry Christmas. Uh, same to you. We're, well, why was this so delayed, and what do you think of the $900 billion package? So the reason it was delayed is because we, this package could have been passed in July. Uh, Republicans offered the Democrats $1.1 trillion package in July, and Pelosi uh, and Schumer turned it down. They turned down an offer of $1.6 trillion from the White House. They turned down an offer right before the election of $1.8 trillion from the White House. Um, and they didn't. And they delayed it for one simple reason. They were ready to see the economy tank to hurt Donald Trump in the election. Uh, they didn't want to do anything that was going to give him a boost before the election. And then after the election, uh, they they delayed this for weeks and weeks and weeks because they are in the pockets of the trial lawyers. Uh, the Republicans basically there was broad agreement on most of the most of the issues, uh, including the extending uh, PPP loans to small businesses and having some more limited uh, unemployment support and all the rest of it. But uh, there were two outstanding issues. One was the aid to state and local governments, which Republicans rightly see uh, as a bailout for years and years of profligate spending by Democrat-run cities um, and govern and states. And uh, and then uh, they, the Republicans wanted limited, temporary protection. Uh, for small businesses who kept open during the pandemic and were trying to keep up with the ever-changing recommendations and regulations that were coming out of the out of the government, uh, that people, you know, all these people who kept our grocery stores stocked and us, you know, kept us supplied during the lockdowns shouldn't now turn around and get sued by a pandemic of lawsuits. And the Democrats literally would not allow even a temporary limited uh, liability. And so that, that, those are the two outstanding issues. And they decided to punt on those. They finally decided to, OK, we're not going we're going to take both of those out and do what we agree on. But this could have been done months and months and months ago. Absolutely. The stimulus checks, uh, $600 for both adults and dependents for people who make under $75,000. That president said, he, you know, he really pushed for that. There's no question. He was joined by uh, Senator Hawley, Josh Hawley on that. $82 billion for colleges and schools, $284 billion for the PPP program. Uh, 
uh, mentioned six hundred dollars. Uh, Twenty-five billion for rental assistance. Seven billion for broadband access, and thirteen billion for nutritional access. The one thing that Pat Toomey wanted seems to have got it. Ends the CARES Act emergency powers for the Federal Reserve because they don't want uh, Joe Biden going there and tapping into this and tripling it. And also, they don't want to use it as a back-channel way to get the state and local aid that they didn't, that they couldn't get directly. So they couldn't get they couldn't get it through the front door by uh, by uh, uh, by direct ca- uh, money to the states. They didn't want to do it by having the Fed offer them like you know point zero percent interest, zero one percent loans that are basically the, effectively the same thing. Uh, so they were trying to they were trying to have their own cake and eat it too. They just they're just the Democratic Party is just complete. There are two things happening. One, the Democratic Party is completely in the pocket of the trial lawyers, and the trial lawyers give ninety seven percent of their contributions to the Democrats. I've never seen a party so in the pocket of a single organization than, than the Democrats are in the trial lawyers, and they just wouldn't give uh, at all. And then two things were happening that, that caused them to change their mind, because it, remember, Republicans were saying yes, 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 since July. Democrats were the ones saying no. Why did they change? One thing is you've got all these – the optics were terrible of the, all these Democratic governors like Cuomo and Newsom shutting down restaurants, putting people out of work while the Democrats were blocking COVID relief to help those people get through the lockdowns in Washington. And two, Joe Biden got elected president, and he doesn't want to inherit a crappy economy. So he called them and told them, get something done because the worst the economy is, uh, he, is the worst the economy he inherits. So you know they did it for Biden, and they did it for the, and they uh, and they did it uh, for Cuomo and Newsom. So when you look at the – let's uh, pivot to the Georgia race January 5th. Uh, Carl Rove is increasingly optimistic, even though it's a neck-and-neck neck race and it will be decided at the last minute. He seems to be more confident every time I interview him because he's in charge of gathering the money for these candidates. Sure. The Republicans are going to prevail. I have the best soundbite ever outside Chuck Schumer <laughs> coming out and saying, change first Georgia, then we change America. Listen to uh, this scary moment for all Republicans should they lose both seats. Cut 20. For the last four years, many of us have been playing on defense. I know Georgia, big into football. Well, all we've been doing is defending ourselves against the guy who's in the White House and all this crazy stuff. It's time for us to get on the offense to start moving the ball forward. And that's what we've got to do. And with your help in Georgia, that is what we will do. Do you want him to move the ball forward? Do you want Bernie Sanders in charge of the Budget Committee in the Senate? I mean, that yeah. this is, yeah, if the answer is yes, you got, you know what to do. Yeah, but here's the thing. President Trump went and did one rally. Okay, I'm glad he did that. He's got the right message. This should be the number one focus the president has right now. He's spending all, wasting all of this time focusing on trying to overturn an election that's never going to get overturned when he should be, he should be focusing on the future. He should be focusing on winning those races in Georgia, leaving the White House with a big victory under his belt, and going back and leading the Republican Party to take back the House two years from now, because that is within reach, and then, take, and, then, and then taking back the presidency in 2024. He needs to start focusing uh, uh, on the future, not on the past. And he is just, you know, we're, ta- we're sitting around having meetings, according to news reports, with, uh, with uh, General Flynn talking, you know, having these crazy ideas of having martial law and the military rerun the elections and bringing uh, Sidney Powell into the White House to run uh, election investigations. It, this is, he, if we lose this race because Donald Trump was focused on the wrong thing, 
it'll be a disaster. He needs to this his his future his the future of the political party, the future of our country, and his political future depends on winning that race in Georgia. And he needs to focus on it. I know. I agree. It's his baseball card. It's the back of his baseball yeah. card. Uh, and exactly I will say right. this: some of his aides, according to that same story, want him to cool out and go to Mar-a-Lago and have a couple of days off. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to leave the White House. Period. Uh, he really believes that this thing was stolen from him. The problem is Rudy Giuliani, uh, Sidney Powell, and Lynn Wood have not proven it. And in Sidney Powell's case, I thought she was fired. Yeah, I thought so too. But then all of a sudden they're talking about bringing her on as a special counsel in the White House. I mean, it, 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 Sidney Powell is nuts. She stood out there and like, with no evidence whatsoever said that there was a Cuban, Venezuelan, Chinese plot with the Soros Foundation and the Clinton Foundation to steal the election. That, that, that's that guano crazy, Brian. And, and they are not serving the president well. He's, they, they, Rudy Giuliani has been a disaster for him. He's not an election lawyer. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, if you're if you're going to if you're really going to contest elections, you get somebody who knows what they're doing with elections. That's not his even his specialty. And the, having that press conference where he's got the he's got the you know the hair dye dripping down his face while they're spinning all these conspiracy theories. Donald Trump is going to is going to leave the White House incredibly damaged by these people if he keeps listening to them. He needs to realize that his path to a second he's the first president since Grover Cleveland who has a realistic chance of winning back the White House four years after losing. He needs to realize that his path to a second term is 2024 and start focusing on that and stop with this right. stuff about trying to overturn the election because it makes him look like a sore loser. It makes it, – it's, it's the message it said the reason he lost this election is – and it, it, it shouldn't have been close enough that, they, that, that voter fraud could have had any impact. It's because he alienated a whole bunch of voters who liked his policies, who said they were better off now than they were four years ago. Fifty-six percent of the country said they're better off now than they were four years ago, but they didn't vote for him because they were tired of the chaos. And right. it, the chaos wasn't all his fault. Uh, the Russia probe was was unjust. The impeachment was unjust. He took a he, they they never stopped coming after him. It's unfair, but he added to the chaos. And he's got to stop because all those voters are saying, "I made the right decision." That's not the th- the thought that they should have in their heads. Uh, as he leaves the White House. And the thing is, uh, Mark, you know, as Joe Biden puts together the Obama team again and starts pushing climate change and raising minimum wage in the middle of the pandemic, and they start doing the ridiculous policies towards appeasement and cooperation when it comes to China, especially now when it comes to space, they're talking about doing it together with China. I mean, I can't believe some of the stuff I'm hearing. Uh, So when people see that, as opposed to the president instinctively knowing we got to, this only way out of this is a vaccine. I'm going to put together Operation Warp Speed. Instead of knowing the quicker we can reopen up our economy, the better we're going to be. It's not his instincts were 100 percent right. The kids belong in yep. school. The science bared that out. Restaurants yep. need to be open. The science bared that out. He was right, right and right. Exactly. But but that's not what people are hearing about. Why he should be talking nonstop about the vaccine. All we should be hearing from Donald Trump is vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Operation Warp Speed delivered this. I'm responsible for bringing you this vaccine. We should be seeing pictures of him getting the vaccine. We should be here him doing events around the country about the vaccine, talking about his successes, rather than looking like a sore loser sulking in the White House. And and the reality is he could if he if he screws up this transition and uh, that he will not win a second term. But he can win a second term. He's got to, most presidents when they leave the White House. I've worked in the end of an administration, the Bush administration. It's it's 
three months where you get to, to tout your legacy with all the powers of the federal government behind you, doing events, talking about what you accomplished, reminding people of all the achievements that you had. That's what he should be do, spending his time focusing on to prepare uh, the case for reelection when Biden comes in and screws all of this up. So I'm stunned by what we're going to be left with. This Dr. Vivek Murthy. Now we have two vaccines. We're going to have a third one ready to roll. And he's talking about, well, we'll be back to normal maybe in the summer. In the summer, even Mr. Doom and Gloom, Anthony Fauci, says we're going to start to see our lives return back in March. Is this guy really going to try to lock us down until the summer? We don't know. I mean, but that, again, people will, people will be uh, – people don't – you know, lockdowns require consent. You know, there's so there's certain things that they do can do coercively. They can shut down restaurants like that, but people don't have to. People people will stop cooperating. And look, the reality is what what ha- the vast majority of the burden of the disease. I did an interview on my podcast with uh, uh, with uh, Dr. Slowey, and what he said to me is that by spring we should be doing much better because. The vast majority of the burden of disease on society is with those who are most vulnerable, right? Most people who get it don't die, don't get it, and, and, uh, and don't get terribly sick. It's the vulnerable people who are the majority of the death. So if you can inoculate the people who are most vulnerable, you've lifted like 95% of the burden of the disease. But when, once that's done, and then the rest of us get inoculated too, and then we, and then we, and then we're, then we put it behind us. But yeah, by spring, if we not inoculate all the vulnerable population uh, by March, then we're going back to our normal lives. Absolutely. Well, I just don't understand why we're not on the same page with that. It just blows me away. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, and Mark, by the way, you have Sweden who said we're not going to shut down everything. They're suffering. South Korea shut down everything. Another surge there. Uh, we're seeing Australia had to shut down Sydney. Germany said goodbye Christmas. Uh, Netherlands, goodbye Christmas. The U.K. is going to a total lockdown because of a new strain that started. It's amazing. People go out of their way to say Donald Trump mishandled the virus. Um, I have news for you. The virus has a vote in this. And everybody, there's one country that needs to be uh, blamed and has to write big checks. It is China. We got to stop blaming leaders for this. I blame leaders for making it worse. But you know what? Also, you're right. The the leaders can make it worse, but they're not to blame for the virus. China is to blame for the virus. And what my big worry is, is that during the last year, anytime you tried to blame China, it was reflexively treated by the mainstream media and by Democrats as you're just deflecting responsibility from Trump for his mishandling of the virus. And so that reflex is still there even when Trump is out of office. And so I, I fear they're never going to hold China accountable because it would be to acknowledge it would have they would have to acknowledge that somebody other than Donald Trump was responsible for 300,000 COVID deaths. And I don't think they're capable of doing that. The CDC didn't have the right tests. They lied to, to the president. She lied to the president directly and they lied to the WHO and the WHO co- uh, covered for it. I don't know. The president could do a lot of things, but I don't ever think he would be in a, should be in a lab coat uh, preparing for a pandemic tests uh, or, also, or making news, nasal swabs. Way, did you see the news that the vast majority of the virus that's out there now is spread out through the whole country came from New York? Right. So there were two strains of the virus, one that came from directly from China that hit, that hit Seattle. That is a small number of the cases because Trump shut down travel from China early. The, the virus that came to New York was started mostly in Italy, came from Europe, seeded in New York. New York didn't lock down soon enough. And the result is it spread all over the country. So Mary as Governor Cuomo, who's held up as this big hero. It's the virus that he failed to contain in his city, in his state. That has spread all over the United States right now. It's something like 80 percent of the virus is the New York strain. 
So, you know, when we talk about who's responsible, uh, where was where was Governor Cuomo in handling this disaster in his state? Because his his state seeded the entire country. His great line was, you know, he didn't have PPE. He should have. He should have had the beds. He should have had a plan. But he goes, I don't do pandemics. Oh, really? But too bad they told every governor to be ready for one. I don't do pandemics. But I write a book about it and I won an Emmy for it. Uh, It's uh, yeah, we're stuck in this mess. Mark, don't come close. Whatever you do, stay away from New York. (laughs) Promise? I promise. All right, good. Mark, have a great holiday. I always enjoy your writing, your insight. And how do you get your podcast? Uh, It's What the Hell is Going On is the podcast. What the Hell is Going On podcast.com. Um, and uh, we got we got a bunch of episodes. We interviewed Donald Trump uh, right before the election, and we've got some great episodes up now. Go get them, Mark. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm going to be back with your calls. I know you have a lot to say on this and so much more. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show, challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. The Lakers won and honored Kobe. The Dodgers got their series trophy. The last dancer that's all delighted. Gronk and Brady reunited. The weekend blinded all the lights. BTS was dynamite. Beyonce told us black is king. Parents Googled, what does WAP mean? Harry Styles topped the charts. Dua Lipa said, don't start. Taylor dropped a double whammy. Eilish won like all the Grammys. Versus battles lit up our screens. Dolly helped fund the COVID vaccine. Shawn Mendes was the one and only, while Bieber was so lonely. Lady Gaga rained on me. Stallion was still Megan Thee. Live music was Cancelled, or so it seems, except for the guy who had cranberry dreams. Uh, how long did this go on? Had, James Corden did the whole year like that? He had five verses like that. Wow, that's awesome. So he awesome. played three of the show. Hey, Will, you're, you're in WRCN in Corum, New York. Hey, Will. Yeah, how you doing now, Brian? Uh, Brian, I wanted to talk to you regarding uh, uh, shutting down uh, flights from the UK. I, I what know do you think? you agree with it. Um, I think... Since it's uh, contagious but not as deadly, it sounds like the flu to me. Okay, and no, they, now they, they, they've identified it as a new yeah. strain of the virus. It, it, excuse, yeah, right. Okay, but if you shut down, if you if you start shutting down again, what's going to happen later on uh, next fall after maybe fifty percent of the country has vaccinations? If you shut down again, you could be wearing a mask forever. I mean, uh, to me, it's Kind of silly. I mean, well, I mean, if, if you know there's a strain, if you could do it again and you could stop the Chinese from coming in with the virus, you would stop them, right? Yeah, but this is uh, this is uh, more, this is morphed from the uh, original strain. You're not going to stop morphing. It's go- it's going to change as long as it doesn't kill a host. Okay, as long as it doesn't kill a host. Yeah, it's just like the flu. I, I would say, listen. I, I, I know what I would. I listen, guys. Rain in your strain until you can identify it and make sure the vaccine works on it. I would, I'd stop it, and, and I would just do that. I mean, I think we learned that uh, from not stopping it last time. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome, everyone, to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, we're around the world, and seen on Fox Nation, the app America can't get enough of. Uh, we're seeing some breaking news now, new information on the Lockerbie bombing in 1988. It just goes to show you how relentless the Justice Department is. More people are involved. They're still unwinding what happened way back then, what then uh, Muammar Gaddafi behind it. Uh, so we're looking at that. But now A.G. Barr is taking general questions uh, about him leaving, about can you pardon yourself, Ask, answering questions about whether Russia is responsible for the big hack or is it the Chinese. So he's handling some of that the way he always does, uh, skillfully. Uh, we'll talk about that today. The vice president is supposed to get his vaccine. Soon our president will. The, the, former vice, the current vice president got his already, but Joe Biden will get it at some point today. So will Jill Biden. So for now, uh, also this hour, we're going to be joined uh, by Jonathan Swan, who is preparing himself now, and Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I've been covering cyber attacks on the U.S. government for more than 20 years, and I've never seen anything quite like this. We're talking not just one agency, but departments across the entire federal government. Wow. Uh, That really puts it in perspective. Pierre Thomas on ABC, the mother of all hacks. What's the scope? Who's behind it? And who's responsible for letting it happen? Number two. This is going to be very close because the Democrats have got momentum. They've got to get out the vote machine with Stacey Abrams. And they got uh, they, they have won the, the presidential race for the first time since 1992. And that's given them a burst of energy. Uh, there you go. Call Rove. All eyes on Georgia as we try to find out who's going to win as millions pour in. And 1.3 have already voted. We'll talk about what it means for the president and 2024. Number one. From where I stand, from where Senate Republicans stand. There's no reason why this urgent package could not have been signed into law multiple months ago. Republican relentlessness against state aid is just befuddling. Uh, Yeah, they're still not getting along. Help is here in two ways. With an aid package and yet another vaccine is rolling out today. Unfortunately, what's not over is the insane lockdowns we're expected to accept. While yet another government official stiff arms the restrictions that she demanded. I'm talking about Dr. Burks. Joining us now, a man that will not be locked down, cannot be contained. Uh, but he always is uh, must be read. Jonathan Swan of Axios, welcome back. How are you? Good, Jonathan. First off, what about this weekend with the president? Evidently, he's far from giving up on 2020, and there's uh, there are reports of uh, fireworks at the Oval. Yeah, I've just been candid with you, um, Brian. He, he's he's got some. There are some pretty. Uh, I don't even know what the right word is. Let's just call it bizarre theories being floated by some people. It's a minority of people around him. It's even gotten to the point, right, it's actually getting completely ridiculous. One of the gentlemen who was in the Oval Office meeting on Friday night is now tweeting that what President Trump's White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, wants him to lose and is lying to him. So they're actually pushing to him, people like Sidney Powell and this guy Patrick Byrne, that, that your closest aides, President Trump, Mark Meadows, 
Patsy Pelosi. They're in on this conspiracy. They want you to lose. They're trying to undermine you. I mean, this is just not connected to reality, Brian. It is not connected to reality. And there's actually no other way. It's not a partisan point to make. I'm just describing these are people who have served the president for a long time. They're in his inner circle. The, the idea that they want him to lose and they're like, because they won't go along with Sidney Powell's theory that, you know, that um, the millions of votes are changed from Venezuela in these voting machines now makes them some traitor to President Trump. I mean, we're getting into some really bizarre territory. I agree with you 100 percent. And I just think, too, uh, where is Bill Stepien? Where is Jared Kushner? Where are all these people that were around for the election? If they're going to fight it out, he should have his A-team. This is not his A-team. Lynn, I thought he fired Sidney Powell. Lynn Wood, I don't think, ever worked within the inner sanctum. And Rudy Giuliani's fighting the good fight, but he's had no success so far. Well, you say fighting the good fight. I, 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 I have to say, I, I'm not sure I agree with you. I mean, Thursday night, um, Ken Cuccinelli, who is second in command at the Department of Homeland Security, gets a phone call from Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer, asking him to get the Department of Homeland Security to go around the swing states seizing voting machines. I mean, this doesn't seem like... I mean, he had to tell Rudy Giuliani that, um, in his view and in the view of the lawyers at the department, they don't have the legal authority to be going around swing states seizing voting machines. This is not sort of Oliver Wendell Holmes' legal strategy here. We're talking a very shoot-from-the-hip... I mean... We're talking about the president of the United States here. This does not seem to be well thought through representation, uh, to put it mildly. It seems like Michael Flynn is off the reservation, too. That's not the same guy. I always knew he was a direct Harry Truman-like. I had no problem with his approach. I I thought he was going to work out as an security advisor. We all know what happened. But now isn't he the one who recommended martial law? Yeah, I mean, he said publicly – that uh, I believe it might have been on Newsmax that um, the military, the military martial law uh, is not something to worry about, and the military can go in and rerun elections in these states. It's actually forced Pentagon leadership to come out again. Mark Milley had already done this before the election, um, but they've had to come out again and say that the military has no role in adjudicating elections in this country. Again, I don't. I'm not suggesting that anything is actually going to happen. I, I don't. I, I'm not one of those people that believes that you know the military is going to rise up and you know overturn elections, or whatever. But it, it, it's just reckless talk. It's it's not it's not attached to reality. And again, I you know people have attacked me for saying this, and you know it's biased, whatever. I don't think it's a partisan point to make. I really don't. I, 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 I'm just making a, a point that I think is is a very reasonable point, and and it's a point. That's not my point. It's, it's a point that's shared almost universally by the people who work for Donald Trump and have worked for him for a long time. These are not people. President Trump isn't surrounded in his inner circle by people who hate him and want him to lose. People who are still there with him after four years, they love him. They want him to win. They work their ass. The, pardon me. They work their butts off to, to help him win. And he's now got this very small clique of people, Sidney Powell, this guy Patrick Byrne. Uh, Rudy Giuliani to some extent, Flynn, who are giving him this notion that all these people that you think you trust, they're actually trying to help you lose, they're gutless, they're lying to you, whatever. And it's just not true. 
Like, I cover these people every day. I mean, I'll be the first to criticise them about, you know, or, or, or um, write something about them that they don't like. I've written lots of stories that I'm sure Pat Cipollone and Mark Meadows don't like. But I know, I know from my reporting, these people are not trying to destroy the president. It's just, it's not true. <laughs> yeah, put it this way. I mean, uh, I know Mark Meadows uh, gets it. And put it this way, there, you might look back at this election and say that, you know, when, when she passed the when, – when they passed the first rescue package and include this, uh, this uh, Wild West mail-in voting where you don't have to ask for it. We're going to mail it to you anyway. We're going to use voter rolls that might not be updated for Nevada and New Jersey. I get it. That was when the beginning of the doubt in this election began to percolate. And they never stopped it. It, it was it's uh, even if there were problems in Michigan, problems in Pennsylvania, problems in Arizona, problems in Wisconsin. This stuff had to be dealt with early, and the way we're doing it now is not going to get it done. No, it's not. And, and, um, but, but what we're talking about is not even that. I mean, it's moved way beyond that. I mean, we're not. They're not even talking about mail-in voting at this point. They're talking about voting machines um, and, you know, getting the Department of Homeland Security to seize the machines and just stuff that is so far beyond that conversation about whether it's appropriate to send unsolicited mail-in ballots out to people. I mean, we're so far beyond that conversation now. Uh, I sort of, you know, it's two separate conversations at this point. I mean, I just talked to Mark Thiessen and and the president's what he is able to have pulled off, those crowds at the end, the late surge to close the gap in the middle of the pandemic, getting it himself, not being able to campaign the way he wanted to, having all these outdoor events with 20-degree weather and tens of thousands still showing up. Um, he has this track record that Democrats will never like, but Republicans will begin to like more and more as he pulls back and we see maybe a, a counter-narrative emerge if the Biden administration is like the Obama administration. He could be in the he comes back, helps the House go Republican, first takes January 5th with uh, keeps the Senate, then helps the House go Republican. He could be in unbelievable shape in four years. But it all matters what he's doing now. Of course. I mean, you know, I've said this. I've actually had this conversation with um, a couple of the prospective Republican 2024 candidates. And I've sort of said to them, I said, Look, I, I've got to be honest with you. I don't like your chances against uh, against Trump in 2024. But you know, it's a long way away, and the more this rolls out, uh, you, you know, it's hard to make predictions. I mean, again, we're going into really bizarre territory with some of these ideas that are being floated. Well, the other one thing President did come out, we saw a lot of like statements, not necessarily your stories, so-called insider stories that the President is not true, and other people have said, I don't know where that came from. President tweeted out, I'm not talking about martial law. So right now it's all swirling, Washington insider stuff. Nothing's happened, except for the President has not conceded, and January 6th is when they certify everything. And there'll probably be a little – there'll be Matt Gates and company saying a few things, maybe Tommy Tuberville, and then they'll just move on, and we'll see if things settle down from here. When you actually look out there right now, and mm-hmm. you see a lot of people really getting restless and the numbers revealing that the shutdown is overkill, as dangerous as this is, and the president's promise of producing vaccines – is coming to fruition in spades. You have a third one, according to the Admiral Giroir, that could roll out in a few weeks. We got a second one today. 
the president could be out there saying, what did I tell you? Yeah, and he's been doing that a little bit, but um, it certainly hasn't been um, his dominant message. Obviously, he's, he's mostly been focused on the campaign, but I'm um, yeah, on, on the election. But um, yeah, look, it's one of those statements that he made that, frankly, a lot of people ridiculed um, earlier in the year. You know, this notion that there could be a vaccine by the end of the year, and and here it is, and here, as you say, here are multiple vaccines. So um, the, it is one of the most encouraging and almost um, miraculous stories, the speed at which these vaccines have have come to market. Um, it, it, it looks, based on what I'm hearing from officials at the moment, it looks like they could have this for the general population probably by around June next year, which, again, is, I mean, it seems like a long way away, but it's not really, and it's a phenomenal yeah. um, scientific achievement. The unfortunate thing is just so many people have died and continue to die of this virus in the meantime. And if you look around the world, I mean, when Israel, one of the most disciplined societies, can't handle it, when Germany, arguably the most disciplined Western society, can't handle it, they said goodbye Christmas already. Netherlands said goodbye Christmas already. France, not even considering it. The U.K. is going for a total lockdown. Uh, We don't ever get the truth out of Russia. But if you look at all these countries at all these different approaches, everybody that just said Trump is the problem, no one's got this thing under control. The virus has a vote. We can't write it because we're in the middle of it. Quick question for Jonathan Swan. Are you going to pivot to the White House beat? Joe Biden becomes president. Will that be your beat? Yeah, I'm going next year. I'll be covering the Biden White House. Do you, what do you, right, right away, what's going to be your greatest challenge? I, I mean, the access is going to be extremely limited. Yeah, they're, they're very different in the, in the sense of um, incredibly leak-resistant and, and disciplined. The story I'm going to be chasing, one of the, well, there's a lot of stories I'll be chasing, but a couple just off the outset. China is going to be such an interesting and, and consequential story. How he handles that relationship um, after President Trump. And then Iran obviously wants to get back in that nuclear deal. Does he give up all the leverage straight away with sanctions without getting any additional concessions from Iran? That's going to be hugely consequential, and it's something that um, America's Middle East allies, including Israel, are worried about. So there's a couple of stories that I'll be chasing right off the outset. Well, here's what Trey Gowdy says you should be chasing. Cut 31. It needs to be investigated, Jesse, and there are three groups that do investigations in our culture. There's law enforcement, uh, the FBI, DOJ, if it's criminal and in nature, but, but all bad things aren't criminal. So that's why you have Congress and the media. Um, And uh, the media has not lifted a finger to investigate this. In fact, uh, they've done the opposite. Even if you don't believe any of what you just said, even if someone is really skeptical, Joe was clear. He knows absolutely nothing about anything. It's a Sergeant Schultz defense. I know nothing. Well, his credibility is an issue. And he's talking about the investigation of his son, the timeline that's come out, the laptop, the emails, the text messages that emerged, the investigation that's been confirmed. When you go to your editor, when you go to your managing editor, do they care about this story at Axios? Yeah, we'll be, I mean, we'll be covering this story. And I mean, it's a federal investigation. It's going to be a big story. So absolutely, no question. Yeah, I just, you know what, Jonathan, I know you're going to develop sources, but this is going to be a lot tougher, isn't it? No question. I mean, it, it's going to be a different, I mean, let's face it, the, the Trump White House leaked like a sieve 
for a lot of the presidency. Um, he would talk right to you. He would tweet day. to you. Sure. Sure. I mean, I've interviewed him twice just this year. So, and I've never interviewed Joe Biden. We made a, a lot of requests and, and didn't get them fulfilled. So um, I'm under no illusions. It's going to be a different type of challenge. No question. Go get him. I'm confident you'll, you'll emerge uh, as successful. Jonathan Swan, thanks for everything this year. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I think it's the case that now we can say pretty clearly that it was the Russians that engaged in this activity. Uh, that's Mike Pompeo confirming with the AG Barr said that all indications are this major hack was Russia. And then we had Secretary of State Pompeo, the major hack is uh, Russia. President not convinced, not saying it's not Russia. He's saying, why don't you think it's China? Sam is in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Sam. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Uh, hi, Brian. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of experience since I've been to Russia and so on and so forth. And uh, the Russians can barely make a decent milk milk cow machine. Um, the Chinese have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hackers. Now, you know, Sun Tzu in the art of war, his greatest weapon is deception. And if, you know, I'm the Chinese, I would leave lots of Russian hints for everybody to find. Well, let me ask you, do you think well, Mike Pompeo's a naive guy? Do you think Mike Pompeo's a naive guy coming? He was just director of the CIA, number one in his class in Kings Point, excuse me, at West Point. What, do you think A.G. Barr would say that? I mean, it just, everybody's saying it's Russia. You, yeah. don't, you don't believe it. Okay, if everybody says it's Russia, the point is Russia, you know, my opinion, and, you know, I've just been to Russia, you know, I've been there. They just don't have the capability to pull it off. And I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the is not Donald Trump's friend. The CIA is not You've seen their cyber setup? Uh, I've just seen the country, you know, I've spent time in the country and their culture. But do you know North Korea's got an incredible cyber uh, setup and their whole, that's probably the poorest country in the, on the planet? Okay. Uh, and, yet they're, saying, and yet they're, they're still elite hackers? Yeah. All right, Sam, appreciate your experience, but uh, I'm to the people that I've gotten to know all believe it's Russia, and those people are all voted for Donald Trump. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Friday, we finally got our FBI briefing. It was just the Speaker Nancy Pelosi and myself. It was a very thorough briefing. No one that was in that room could walk out and say Eric Swalwell should be on the Intel Committee. 
The one thing you can read publicly, it wasn't Swalwell going to the FBI. It was the FBI coming to Swalwell and to the leaders to warn what they have noticed. Also, remember in the public briefing, which you've able to find out about Christina, Eric Swalwell wasn't the only individual. There are mayors involved across this country. This is how in-depth the Chinese are at spying on America, of wanting to know, of stealing our secrets. And the Intel Committee is different than any other committee. This is where America's secrets are kept. So, I mean, Kevin McCarthy's been relentless on this. Axios is the one who did the story for over a year. And in it, it shows how uh, the Chinese have infiltrated who they label as up-and-coming Democratic lawmakers, it seems, especially in California. And we have not found out who those mayors are. But they focused on Swalwell, who ends up getting a plum assignment in the second year in the House. And he ends up being one of the president's greatest critics, not when it comes to China, but when it comes to Russia. And we know the Democrats have been reluctant to really take on China, although Senator Schumer, to his credit, has been wanting uh, this administration to be tough on China. But I would not put him in the West Coast uh, clique, but he is among leadership. Joining us now, Special Reports' own uh, Brett Baer. Hey, Brett, welcome back. Hey, Brett. And, Brett, do you think that Swalwell's feeling this pressure, or is it all coming from the right, a place he loves to ignore? Uh, I think he's probably feeling a little pressure. He hasn't really done another interview. He did one briefly at the beginning, um, but he hasn't answered a lot of questions. He's kind of escaped it. Uh, I think it's bigger than than just Swalwell. I think it's more about China's influence, uh, not only on Capitol Hill, but in business and and across the U.S. So, you know, expect uh, if Republicans hold on to the Senate, there'll be some focus on China's tentacles inside the U.S. I think Swalwell probably feels a little heat, but he's being protected, you know, by uh, Democrats and, frankly, media who have not covered this story. Well, I mean, you see the slim majority. Do you think there's something to it, the fact that Nancy Pelosi does not want to lose him as a voter when she runs for speaker with that, that small caucus? I mean, I think it's possible. I think she has the votes to be speaker, but Remember, I mean, you're talking about three people um, who changed their mind and she loses the majority. Uh, that's nothing in the House of 435. So, um, you know, she has to play her cards right in order for the legislative priorities to get through for the Democrats. And, um, you know, you get a couple of, you know, more conservative Democrats and, and they form a caucus with Republicans, and uh, you have a possibility of turning things over issue by issue. Yeah, so let's talk about what happened turning over. It looks like they're just working out the finer points, but in principle, it's done. $900 billion, $82 billion for colleges and schools, 13 uh, for nutrition, $7 billion for broadband access improvement, $25 billion in rental assistance, which is kind of new, $600 for any family who makes less than $75,000, uh, $284 billion for businesses. Uh, overall, uh, they got a lot. They got a lot done. It seems uh, they also kind of left out a few things. One of which was liability insurance. The other one was direct aid to states. So it didn't take long for both sides to claim they won. So there's no sense of bipartisanship to emerge from this. Did the American people win with this? You think? Well, I mean, it's it's needed has been needed for months. And if you look at the package that finally is passing. This thing could have been signed a long time ago and actually would have had more money in it uh, had it been negotiated when they were talking at $1.8 trillion. 
this is 900 billion. It's needed and it's 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 necessary. Uh, but the only reason that it's taken this long was politics. And I, I do think the Democrats, are, it's pretty rich for them to say that it's the Republicans that prevented this. Um, if you remember, there were clean bills at $500 billion that passed. And then there was a negotiation with $1.8 trillion from the White, from the, uh, White House. So I think, uh, listen, both sides say they want wanted something different, but now uh, it'll get done today. Pat Toomey seems to have been successful in stopping the Federal Reserve from continuing the rescue uh, package or uh, this being able to dip into the Federal Reserve to get these no-interest loans, which would have been a backdoor to state aid. Yeah, and I think he dialed back some of the broad language that he had, and and so they came to a a conclusion on that. There are some tax incentives here for people who are going out to lunch or dinner uh, so that restaurateurs get some extra business. Uh, That's new. Uh, The PPP money uh, can be tax deductible for these companies that get the, the PPP money. That's new. And uh, will be a stimulus in a, in a way. And if you have a family of four and it's under seventy five thousand, it's you know twenty four hundred bucks. So that's a that's you know a decent chunk of change in the check that could go out starting next week. Brett, there's also some other good news. We have a second vaccine rolling out. Here's what Admiral Brett Giroir, uh said yesterday. Cut four. We are very confident that by June, anyone in America who wants to have a vaccine will have that opportunity to have a vaccine. Um, As you know, right now we have Moderna and Pfizer. The next vaccine that is coming up, which would be J&J or Janssen, we would expect that authorization to be submitted in January. Again, we don't know the results of that. Uh, That has to be unblinded, go through all the processes. It will be very transparent, just like the first two. Uh, But we expect that to hit in January. And again, that is a one-dose vaccine. We don't know the results, but we are very hopeful by January we'll have at least three vaccines with, with more to come. So I'm seeing that, and then the incoming Surgeon General uh, has a different prediction as far as June, everyone will get it, cut eight. We, if everything goes well, then we may see a circumstance whereby late spring, uh, you know, people who are in lower risk categories can get this vaccine, but that would really require everything to go exactly on schedule. I think it's more realistic uh, to assume that it may be closer to midsummer or early fall uh, when this vaccine makes its way to the general population. So we want to be optimistic, but we want to be uh, cautious as well. Really? With four vaccines rifling through the country, we can't get this done before August? I I mean, I think that that is um, overly cautious. If if you're putting the pedal to the metal and they got this this far, I think the logistics of the original rollout with Pfizer hit a bit of a snag in that they thought they were going to have more going out than they did uh, originally. Um, And... You know, maybe they're looking to try to uh, damper um, what they're, you know, the hopes. But I, I do think that um, most of the people we've talked to say by spring, it'll be starting to get all over the place, considering there'll be three, if not four vaccines. So I just think this is a time in which the president can come out and talk about it. Do you think he feels pressure to take the shot? I thought Anthony Fauci had successfully explained that. But over the weekend, it seemed to be the common refrain with all the Sunday hosts. What, that the president should, should take, take the shot? Yeah, I mean, listen, he had it, right? So he probably feels like he doesn't have to, but it's um, it, it's probably symbolic. Uh, the vice president took it in front of the cameras, and um, 
I don't know if the president will take it or not. I, I'm not sure he feels the pressure, but he should, you know, take the moment. Uh, and if it's a moment to to say I'm the reason that this pushed forward, uh, maybe it's it's worthwhile to do it. Do you think the president uh, that that tumult that was happening over the weekend reportedly is happening? That there's pressure from Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani uh, and Michael Flynn to declare martial law? I don't know if I believe all of the reporting about the inner office meeting, but clearly those people have expressed things publicly that have raised some eyebrows in Washington. And I think the attorney general today, Brian, uh, kind of squelched all of that, saying that he's not uh, appointing a special counsel for the election fraud, and uh, he has not seen evidence of enough widespread fraud to overturn any state's votes. So uh, obviously he's leaving his position in a couple of days, but um, I think it, 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 he's saying it publicly changed that dynamic. So, uh, Brett, I understand the all-star panel uh, event benefiting the Children's National Hospital, the hospital that really saved your son Paul's life, and he continue, they continue with some great uh, cutting-edge work when it comes to some of the hard challenges Paul has had. Last year I was lucky enough to join it. This year is going to be a little different. How can people still participate? Yeah, so we had to just bend a knee uh, to the COVID concerns uh, because those vaccines are not going to be up and going in February uh, fully. Uh, So down in Naples, um, we decided to make the event virtual. And you can go to allstarpanelevent.com and get tickets virtually. It's now 200 bucks, but you can see the panel uh, conversation. You can submit questions for the February 13th event. And uh, we'll have a special auction of really unique prizes that you can't get anyplace else. But all of the money, 100% of the profits go to, um, of the proceeds go to Children's National, and they do stuff around the world for kids. Uh, And obviously, as you mentioned, my son, he just finished his fourth open heart surgery, and he's home recovering and doing well. And um, in fact, just walking around the neighborhood right now. Oh, fantastic. All right, so and where do people go again? AllStarPanelEvent.com, and you can get uh, the tickets for the event. It's February 13th. It's virtual. The panel will have a discussion. Um, we're going to send out – anybody who sends up, um, signs up will be able to ask questions, submit questions. Um, there's going to be some special uh, guests that appear beyond the panel and some musical guests, and it'll all be a really pre-produced kind of thing. And then the auction will be like a silent auction, but some amazing prizes that you can't get anyplace else. All right, Brett, it's going to be great. Who are you having your panel tonight? Tonight we have Mar and Molly Hemingway and Steve Hayes, and we're talking about um, what comes out of the COVID stuff, plus um, the Attorney General and the latest uh, from the White House. All right. Should be great. Um, and, of course, Steve Hayes is always there. He's your uh, college buddy, right? Yeah. I hazed Hayes. No, I really didn't. But, um, right. but yeah, we went to college together and we're in the same fraternity. That's really the only reason he's on the panel. Right. I just asked you to treat everyone equally. That's all I could ask. <laughs> Do you promise? <laughs> promise. All right. Good. Brett Fair, thanks so much. See you at 6. See ya. All right. And it's all-star panel event, uh, panelevent.com. Get tickets. We'll all be there. You, we just won't be shoulder to shoulder. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Don't get me wrong, there's reason to hope. Five more states will legalize dope. The COVID vaccine is now within reach, a much better option than injecting with bleach. 2020 destroyed all of our plans, but we can get through it by washing our hands, lending neighbors assistance and keeping social distance to flatten the curve and get back to the task. Next year will be better. Just put on a mask. Merry Christmas to you and those you hold dear. Here's hoping we'll be together in person next year. And that is James Corden and his late night rant or poem, I should say. So what was more impressive to you, whoever wrote that or him rapping it? Uh, whoever wrote it. Yeah. I think he could pull it off. That's, that's no problem. He probably is pretty creative enough to write it. But yeah, and even that show sounds dead. You know how I like that show? Mm-hmm. I watched it. I said, man, this sound, you need that audience. And I don't see any of the crazy stuff in the street that he does. I don't know. I've never seen late night television become so marginalized. Who cares? Used to be so interesting to see what they would say, right? It would just be funny and like yeah. a light note of your day. And it I just got John Stewart was funny. Julie Lemon was funny. Was, I don't know. Hopefully, you know, they'll get back to that a little bit more in 2021. I don't think they will, but I could be optimistic. Right. Well, let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. So you remember Tom Cruise's rant? Well, it turns out uh, former Scientologist, now big-time critic Leah Remney from King of Queens, said she thinks it was all a ruse. His psychotic rant was a publicity stunt, she said. The incident proves he's an abusive dictator, as he was taught by the Church of Scientology. Anything you see coming from Scientology and Scientologists, such as mask wearing and humanitarian efforts, is just a show. She said it's for PR reasons only. Uh, Remney is a Brooklyn native. Quote, this was the same reaction Tom gave his household staff when they did not have the right ingredients for him to make chocolate chip cookies, she said. This is the same type of tirade Tom launched into when an assistant had the audacity to serve him a drink in a chip mug. Cruz has not publicly addressed the leaked, uh, the leaked audio. Quote, Tom seems to think that Hollywood is incapable of making a film without his help. Saying such a thing indicates the godlike figure Tom believes he is. Wow. I mean, that then also goes to your point that, you you know, all the good he did after 9-11. Was it a show or not? I and know. He still, do, still did good. I guess so, but he, I guess he had to do good for the right reasons. Like mobsters would go ahead and kill somebody, but then they'd buy fireworks for the town. So they'd have a great 4th of July. Or they'd pay off their house, right? So they wouldn't feel or too bad. Or pay off their house. Yeah, that would be also <laughs> nice. Wonderful people. Next, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I loved as Lou Alcindor. He says he's got plenty of blowback for dunking on celebrities for straying from left-wing politics. He, uh, slumbering celebrity says, especially conservatives need to get woke, and they must be pillared and censored, according to Jabbar, from social media because they aren't liberal. Do you believe that? That is crazy, and I'm not surprised, though, right? I mean, that's how that little bubble thinks. He says Harry, Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling's anti-trans tweets may not only damage the Potter and fa- uh, Fantastic Beasts fra- Beast franchise, they could end up tainting her entire legacy. Actors James Woods, called a cranky geezer, and John Voight also deserve cancellation for their conservative ways, all according to the Lakers Center. So we should really listen to him. I really do think and hope more people are truly like Matthew McConaughey, like more in the middle and rational. But well, if they're just, not, just be rational. Well, Yes. Just be, just be somehow, uh, you know, somehow tolerant. Next, college students who moved from home for COVID quarantine drank much less. The results reveal that students moving back home saw the biggest drop in alcohol use during COVID. Their drinking dropped from 3.1 days of drink, 3.1 days of drinking to 2.7. 
College students now living at home also went on for having 13.9 drinks each week to 8.5 on a daily basis. Young adults who moved back home went from having over five drinks a day to a maximum of 2.9. Is this the most obvious surprise? It's like, who do you want to drink with? Your buddy who you hung out with in school or played a sport with or your mom and dad? Exactly. And, you know, mom and dad would be like, get up, you're hungover. Like, it's just not as fun when you're home and getting yes, mad. It's cold. Yeah, it's cold being scolded. Uh, and finally, talking of children perform better academically, a study shows. A surprise study shows that chatty kids uh, actually perform quite well in class. Uh, they call it enhanced verbal skills. Originally, study, the, the study author set, set out to examine why kids born into wealthier, well-educated families often do better. They ended up discovering that children born in an affluent family tend to have strong language skills by the time they reach nursery age. From there, those elevated abilities lead to higher grade through adolescence. Do you have chatty kids? I will say Richard is very talkative. <laughs> and what about the twins? The twins, actually, not quite there yet. Patrick, nine months old, he's saying mama. And, I, I, you know, he clearly is saying it to me. <laughs> not really. That's it. He just thinks he's saying something. Oh, if you have a chatty kid, don't shut them up. And finally, here's Donna Shalala's dog barking during a CNN interview. Yeah, we don't have time for that, Brian. Sorry. You don't? No, just pre- like listen to a dog in your head. Like your dogs <laughs> when they bark in the background, right? So she's on. She lost, by the way. What is she? She was held the human services secretary. She lost her congressional seat. Not good. Yeah, so she lost and her dog barked through it. Did so you that, blame it on the dog? I'm, but I'm surprised this has happened more. So there's so many home studios, so many people calling from home, so many people Skyping from home. It's not like you're going to a satellite studio or an antiseptic studio. Well, you're just jealous because you can't do anything from home because of your dogs. Yes. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.